You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's going on, everyone? Nick Filato and Chris Flum, a big blue view here to preview the Minnesota Vikings matchup, a playoff matchup, a wild card matchup. We are ecstatic and excited to see what the New York Giants can do for the first time in a while in a playoff game up in Minnesota. Chris, look, these two teams played not that long ago, right? 22 days in between these two games. These two teams faced each other. The Vikings won that matchup 27-24. We all know on that last second 60-plus yard field goal by Greg Joseph. But looking back on that matchup on Christmas Eve, the New York Giants had a lot of opportunities that they didn't seize. Now, every team kind of can say that throughout the game, but just going through my mind, right? You have the Daniel Bellinger fumble in plus territory, Daniel Jones's interception in plus territory, a blocked punt late in the fourth quarter that set up the third and 10 touchdown to Justin Jefferson. And then you even had that Cordell Flott interception that was dropped. If he secures that, the game could have been completely different. So I'm just looking at this matchup. It's a very winnable matchup for the New York Giants. I'm excited for it. And I'm just ready to dive into this preview with you. How you feeling, bro? Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. I th- I think, like you said, this is a winnable matchup for the Giants. The Right now, as we record this, the Vikings are three-point favorites at home. Basically, they're only getting home field advantage. And this would be a pick em game on a neutral field yeah we'll we'll have to see how much that home field advantage factors into it and you know we'll have to see how these two teams play as you said the giants had their opportunities and were not able to capitalize the vikings also had opportunities in the first game and weren't able to capitalize both teams played well but also individual players made some mistakes that I think we can get into over the course of the show. Absolutely. And we will get into it. But first, let's start with this Vikings offense, because this Vikings offense is going to be a little bit different than what the Giants saw just a few short weeks ago because of the injuries on the offensive line against the Green Bay back Packers in what was it? Week 17. Brian O'Neill suffered an injury. The backup center to Garrett Bradbury suffered an injury, which may force two offensive linemen into this game. If Garrett Bradbury can't play, we'll get into that a little bit later. He's looking like he might play, but that's still a little bit uncertain. But my point is there's going to be offensive linemen that are possible liabilities out there to be exploited by what I would say is the strength of the New York Giants defense, which is Dexter Lawrence, Kayvon Thibodeau, Aziz Ojolari, and Leonard Williams. Yeah, I, I think the Vikings offensive line is going to be one of the key things to watch over the course of this week. Yeah, you know, Brian O'Neill, their starter right tackle, is out. Their backup tackle, Oli Udo, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce his entire first name. We'll go with Oli, or perhaps Ollie. He was their starting right guard last year, but the Vikings felt that he was a better fit at tackle and he has been their swing tackle over the course of this year since he was inserted into the lineup against the Packers he's had 77 pass protection snaps and only allowed two pressures so it's that is a very very small sample size but 
we have to wait and see what what the difference is if there is a drop off between Udo and O'Neill, or rather O'Neill and Udo. And then at center, Garrett Bradbury, he's practiced for the first time in about a month this week. Uh, he was limited. The Viking Vikings head coach O'Connell, he is he has said that they're going to attempt to work Bradbury in and basically see how he responds over the over the week of practice. That's again something else to keep an eye on. If Bradbury is able to go, that I think would help the Vikings offensive line with Dexter Lawrence in there. Yeah, first first team All Pro <laughs> Dexter Lawrence in there. Like if they have the their interior offensive line solidified with a starter in there, albeit got a guy who hasn't played in a in a while. That is significantly better than a backup because we saw a backup last time with, I believe it was Alex Schlotman who started and had his worst game of the season. Uh, you know, take it for what you will, but pro football focus rated, graded him at a 26 for his performance against the giants the first time. So that I think is going to be one of the things that we really have to keep an eye on. And one of the, one of the points around which this game could pivot, because if that offensive line holds up, it gets significantly harder for the Giants. If Udo is not able to stand up to Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, Kirk Cousins gets pressured, sacked four times again. If Chris Reed is starting at center or Bradbury starts and he isn't, he isn't up to snuff, that makes things considerably harder on the Vikings offense. It makes things considerably harder on the Vikings offense. And I'm wondering how effective Garrett Bradbury will be if he is in there because he's dealing with this back injury. Dexter Lawrence, if there's if there's any part of your body that could be hurt and Dexter Lawrence could really hurt you because of it, it might be your back because if you ever see Dexter Lawrence explode into an offensive lineman, Chris, the offensive lineman's back tends to get bowed backwards, right? <laughs> like this <laughs> dude can just absolutely put players on skates. We saw that with one of the best guards in the league in Quentin Nelson. But my point is, even with Garrett Bradbury, a fully healthy Garrett Bradbury, I think Dexter Lawrence can be a real issue for the Vikings. And I think it's going to behoove oh, the defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale, to pressure Kirk Cousins. That doesn't necessarily mean it has to be with six and seven guys, though, right? Like you can pressure him with four sometimes. And I think the Giants can get pressure on Kirk Cousins by lining up towards the line of scrimmage, like the Giants love to do, and then bailing guys back into coverage to help their cornerbacks and their safeties on the back end. And then you also can just manipulate the protection, which is something that Wink Martindale does. His one of his key ingredients to his defense is just manipulating the offensive line to not know who is coming on a blitz, which creates free rushers. And sometimes it's not even Dexter Lawrence or Leonard Williams. Sometimes it's like Nick McLeod, you know, sometimes it's a, a player that you don't expect. And I think that could be a recipe on some of these third down situations that the, that the giants can look to employ to really throw off the rhythm of this passing offense. You need to do something to slow down Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson. And I think the Giants are going to have, hopefully, extra firepower. They should have McKinney. It's looking like they they should have a Dory Jackson, although that's not confirmed. So with that extra firepower, hopefully this Giants team can figure out a way to really stifle that offense. Yeah, and that, that I think, is the other thing we need to w watch out for on this week and against the Vikings is Justin Jefferson against or Dory Jackson. You're like, I 
fully expect <laughs> Justin Jefferson to be bracketed. I fully expect Dory Jackson to follow him everywhere around the field. I'm expecting Dory Jackson to play. Uh, I think at this point, if it, if it is at all possible for him to play, he will be playing. The same with Xavier McKinney. I'm expecting press man coverage and the Giants, I think, are going to game plan to not allow Justin Jefferson to beat them. And I think they might have similar feelings about TJ Hawkinson just based on the last game. And again, the Giants just struggle with tight ends. They've gotten some more speed with Landon Collins, you know, making the switch to actually being a linebacker. You know, what, whatever his actual position is, he's at least listed as a linebacker. But he's still not a guy you want in man coverage all that often. And it wouldn't surprise me to see maybe Julian Love and Landon Collins bracketing TJ Hawkinson. The question is, what, what happens from there? Will that create one-on-one opportunities for Adam Thielen and uh, KJ Osborne? Yeah, they're number two in slot receivers. Last time around, we did see Adam Thielen make some pretty uncharacteristic mistakes. He had some drops in big situations for the Vikings that killed drives for them. And it will be interesting, I think, to see how the Giants attempt to balance accounting for Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson and attempting to pressure Kirk Cousins to try to disrupt this offense kind of right at the point. He also had that uncharacteristic play where Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, and and I'm talking about Adam Thielen right now, aligned between the hash and the numbers, and they both ran vertical. And Adam Thielen was supposed to run another route, but he thought he had a coverage bus, so he just took he just took it on a nine route, which kind of led a defender right into Justin Jefferson's seven route on like a simple two man corner nine route combination, which is what it ended up being. And remember, after the play. Adam Thielen was kind of patting himself on the chest like, yo, that was my bad. That was a fourth down play where Darnay Holmes knocked the ball away from Justin Jefferson after Darnay Holmes came up with a huge third down tackle around midfield. That was one of the missed opportunities that Chris was alluding to at the top of the show from the Minnesota Vikings, right? So I think Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne could have a much bigger impact in this game. And another player and another philosophy that I think could also be a little bit more impactful for the Minnesota Vikings, Chris, is the Giants liked to align in a lot of middle of the field open, which deviates from what Wink Martindale tends to do in middle of the field close. Middle of the field close means that safety is in the middle of the field. You're typically going to have a single high type of look. It could be, you know, cover three. So it will end up being three guys deep. But middle of the field open means there's going to be either four guys deep. Sometimes it's three and a cover six, which is half fields cover four, half fields cover two, or it's going to be cover two. So theoretically, it's there middle of the field open to prevent explosive plays. Wink Martindale rolled out quarters coverage and cover six more than he did in any other game. I think he ran quarters and I think he ran cover six. It was almost like 30% of the time, which is not something that we've seen a lot from Wink Martindale, right? So if the Giants are going to do that, Chris, is that going to kind of spark something in Kevin O'Connell's mind to rely on the run? And I'm wondering if they're going to go in that direction to get Dalvin Cook a little bit more involved with rushing the football. And I'm going to be fine with that because this team doesn't run a lot of counter. They don't run a lot of power. And I think the Giants hold up pretty well against zone rushing teams. And this offensive line has a bunch of injuries across it. So I think I would be definitely fine with that. Just give more opportunity to Dalvin Cook, who's a great player. But the Vikings have not been efficient running this football basically the entire year. 
No, although they did have some pretty good efficiency on a per carry basis against the Giants in the first game. They only picked up like 83 yards on the ground. So it was not a big part of their offense the first time around. And I, I agree with you. I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings do attempt to run more, if only to slow down Wink Martindale's blitz. Uh, he blitzed on like half of Kirk Cousins dropbacks the first time around. And, you know, if Cousins is handing the ball off, then he's not really in the sights of Jason Pinnock or Landon Collins or, you know, Mike McFadden or, you know, whoever <laughs> Wink is attempting to scheme that free run into the backfield for. And the fact that the the fact that the Vikings were able to pick up decent yardage on a per carry basis, if not overall, they could try to exploit that and run more often. I also wouldn't be terribly surprised to see them incorporate more screen passes into their offense because those were frankly deadly to the Giants in the closing minutes in that for, in that in, insane fourth quarter we had in the first game yeah that really played on the aggression that Wink Martindale has and the aggression that he has imparted into the Giants defense you know they see their free runs in the into the backfield they're taking them and then all Kirk Cousins has to do is identify the blitz and throw into it and then there's just kind of open field for the ball carrier. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them run more. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them at least test the giants defense early on with some screens, even if just to put that in the back of their mind to slow them down at least a little bit. That's something that Kevin O'Connell called a solid amount against the giants in their first matchup. A lot of teams have exploited the giants with the screen. I mean, Wink Martindale loves to bring the blitz. They're going to run the screen. I feel like the giants haven't done the best job diagnosing that Landon Collins, although had a really good play on second and 10 down on the red zone on a screen to Justin Jefferson. But we saw a little bit later on in the game that Justin Jefferson got the last laugh with that. Was it third? And, I think it was a third nine or third and 11 conversion that set up the field goal, which was really unfortunate. But Chris, before we get to the defense, do you have anything else on the offense? No, I, I think we've about covered the offense, the Vikings offense, that is from all the the most important angles. I am I am really not sure what to expect from the Vikings in this game, just because Kevin O'Connell is a he is a good offensive mind. He was calling the Rams offense in the Super Bowl last year. Well, okay, Sean McVay was calling the Rams offense, but he was their offensive coordinator. So I I don't expect to see the exact same Vikings offense this time around because they have a good offense. They have one of the most prolific offenses in the NFL, and he's gotten a look at the Giants defense. Now, the Giants defense will almost certainly be different from the last time he saw it, but I don't expect the Giants tendencies to change all that much. Their wink is going to wink. <laughs> Wink will always wink. All right, though, before we get into the Vikings defense, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. 
because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, Chris, let's get into this Vikings defense. And I think we should probably start with their injury situation. They're a little bit dinged up on the defensive side of the football. I'm not 100% certain if there's going to be any of these players that will be held out. This is a very important game, but I think we should dive into their situation. So Chris, why don't we start with Harrison Smith and the knee injury that kind of led to him being suddenly scratched in week 18. He was limited in practice. Does it look like Kevin O'Connell's, I would say probably star safety is going to play in this game? Yeah, I would assume that Harrison Smith is going to play. I do wonder if maybe the surprise scratch week 18 against the Bears, you know, that's a that's a game the Vikings can reasonably expect to win. If they des- decided suddenly to hold him out just to make sure he is healthy for this game. I mean, yes, the Vikings were playing for their seeding to make sure they had home field advantage for this game potentially get the second overall seed they weren't able to um unsurprisingly the 49ers beat the cardinals but i I would expect harrison smith to be to be active for and active in this game he's a he's a veteran i don't think he needs a ton of practice to get ready for a football game and then that brings me to Cameron Dantzler, one of their cornerbacks. He was DMP in practice with an ankle injury and a personal issue. Do we have any word on him? Uh, no. I Everything I have seen is that he is, once the personal issue is resolved, he's expected to practice. I guess the knee, or I'm sorry, ankle injury has been kind of bugging him for a while. I haven't been able to find out exactly what that ankle injury is. So that, that's just something I think to keep an eye on because the Vikings secondary, they kind of struggled against the Giants receivers as I think a, quite a few secondaries have. Uh, the Giants have taken a bunch of people by surprise with their with their no-name wide receiving core. They have, and Cameron Dancer did not play in the last matchup between these teams, it was a little bit more of Duke Shelley and, and um, Patrick Peterson obviously was the starter. And he had one of the, his worst games of his season by accounts from a lot of people who cover the Minnesota Vikings. I also see Brian Azamoa, who had a huge play on the Daniel Bellinger fumble is on the injury report. I'm not hundred percent certain his deal, what his deal is right now, but I figured that I'd mention that Zadarius Smith, his name is highlighted on red on our lads as well. And I think Zadarius Smith is one of the key players of this defense, Chris, to transition kind of away from the injury portion of this. Cause if you look at the way Ed Donatel employed Zadarius Smith on those third down situations is an edge rusher, right? 
he's not aligning on the edge a lot, right? They put him over at three technique. They're like, okay, who is the weakest interior offensive lineman? Because we're going to put Zadarius Smith in a two-point stance and give him a free rush at that lineman. And I felt like they really targeted Mark Lewinsky and the center. And then they would bring DJ Wanham, Daniel Hunter, align them wide, Dalvin Tomlinson as like the one technique. And you would just try to basically get those tackles to fan out by rushing up the arc, having those linebackers contain Daniel Jones, and then Zadarius Smith to just try and penetrate. And I feel like Zadarius Smith is one of those really important cogs, one of those really important pieces to this defensive success because you know what kind of havoc he can wreak on third down. It's one reason why the Giants were very inefficient on third down, which is something we'll get into in a little bit. Yeah, Darius Smith has a very he has a very interesting skill set as an edge defender because he can line up as an interior player. He is he is able to play out of a two-point stance, three-point stance out on the edge. He has the athleticism to do that, but he also has the size and the power to be a threat inside. He's kind of similar to Justin Tuck in that way where, yeah, he is very quick and you have to be, you have to be on your game to deal with him off the edge, but then he is able to translate that inside as well. And then that just creates an even bigger mismatch for interior offensive linemen, because even though they don't have as much ground to cover, the athletic disparity is just that much greater. And Mark Lewinsky has, as we've mentioned, been kind of an issue for the Giants. He was brought in to be the stabilizing force right next to the rookie over at right tackle, and he really hasn't done that for the Giants. Quite a bit of the pressure that has leaked through the interior of the Giants' offensive line has come through that right guard position, and that I don't think has made it any easier on Evan Neal. No, nah, it definitely hasn't made it any easier on Evan Neal. Evan Neal needs someone stable next to him, but Evan Neal has his issues, which we can get into a little bit. But just for a little perspective on this Vikings defense, Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith, they're two of the better pass rushers in the league against the Giants. Daniel Hunter had nine pressures, Zadarius Smith had six, right? Like, I don't even think I realized how many pressures Daniel Hunter had. I knew he was everywhere in that game, I knew he got a bunch of sacks and he was terrorizing Evan Neal for much of that game, but nine is quite a lot. I mean, that's more than I think. Dexter Lawrence had in any single game. I think the most Dexter Lawrence had was eight against Chicago. Yeah, and he is he has a much shorter route to the quarterback than an edge rusher does. You know, that's the interior pass rushers might not get the same sack numbers, but they also don't have to go as far. So it's it's easier for them to pressure. I I tend to think than a, an edge rusher because you know the the quarterback can always step up in the pocket to get away from the edge rusher. So yeah, the, the giants definitely need to figure out some way to account for those two edge rushers. And I am very curious to see how they deal with that right side. Are they going to you know, slide protection that way? Have John Feliciano go to help out, uh, go to help out Mark Lewinsky have a tight end over on over next to Evan Neal to give, to help him out with a double team or have, Daniel Bellinger and Saquon Barkley deliver chip blocks as they release into their routes out on the right side and basically just kind of trust that Andrew Thomas and I presume the platoon of Nick Gates and Ben Bredesen are able to hold up on the left side. I think that's what we hope, but 
Like, think back to that third and five drop by Richie James, even though it should have been converted because the Giants had everything that they wanted. That was just a simulated pressure where the Giants or where the Vikings, I should say, sent a linebacker through a wide open B gap that came open because they rushed Daniil Hunter wide against Andrew Thomas. And they just basically put guys on the line of scrimmage that's basically forced the protection to pay attention to Evan Neal's side. And then Eric Hendricks bailed into coverage underneath of those slants from the boundary stack. And Daniel Jones just got rocked by Jordan Hicks. Credit to Daniel Jones. The football was on target and where it needed to be. But unfortunately, it was dropped by Richie James. So that's just another thing that Ed Donatel kind of has in his pocket because you know he's going to sometimes bring those five-man pressures. He's going to do what Wink Martindale does to manipulate the protection. He's also going to run a lot of twists. And when you have the vulnerability like Evan Neal is, like what how Evan Neal played against the Philadelphia Eagles and how Evan Neal played against the Vikings in their first matchup. You know, you don't always got to rely on the blitz, but there are ways that you can really just take advantage of that weakness, which is going to affect the entire offensive line, which will obviously affect Daniel Jones and the passing attack that the Giants should be relying on in this game. Yeah, the Giants relied on their passing attack the first time around. They were very, very pass heavy, and they didn't run the ball all that often. So I I would honestly expect Mike Kafka to to go with a pass-heavy attack again because he is the tendency exploiter, and the Vikings tend to give up a lot of yards through the air. I am curious to see what the Vikings do on defense to try to help out their secondary. Duke Shelley, he... I'm kind of assuming Duke Shelley will be the starter at cornerback. Even if Cam Dantzler is able to play, he might get rotated in as maybe like a nickelback, something like that. But then Patrick Peterson over there, he struggled. He had his worst game, as we've said before, of the season against Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodgins. Are Are the Vikings going to roll coverage his way you know, get him some double teams to help him out or are they going to just trust the veteran to learn from his mistakes the first time he bit on quite a few double moves and he was i think part of his problem was he was playing very aggressively i think he was looking for that interception all game long i wonder if maybe he will play a play more patiently and maybe just try to disrupt the timing of the Giants quick game. And, you know, there's just so many moving parts to this game because these teams played, are playing each other twice in three weeks. I'm almost not sure how much we can rely on the first game to be predictive of this game. There's going to be adjustments, right? There's certainly going to be adjustments. Both teams are going to go to the drawing board and try to take advantage of what the other team's weaknesses are. And I think one thing the Giants need to do to win this football game is they need to be a little bit more efficient on third down. They were three of 11 on third down situations. Now they were moving the football better than they have in other games. So they didn't reach third down as often as maybe they have in in other games and other matchups where they possess the football this much, but you need to improve that number and you need to capitalize on the opportunities that are there. And you got to stop shooting yourself in the foot. Like the Giants shot themselves in the foot quite often in this game, and that's not necessarily something that is consistent with the Brian Dable coach team. Yeah, exactly. The Giants game this this whole season has 
been to be efficient and be disciplined. When they do that, they are able to keep these games tight and they're able to win in the fourth quarter. When the problems come in, when they make mistakes, when they have turnovers, when they let, when they are the ones having penalties and they let the other team kind of dictate the flow of the game. Yeah. I don't expect the Vikings offense to dictate, or I'm sorry, I don't expect the Vikings defense to dictate much to the Giants offense. But if the Giants are not disciplined and they give the Vikings offense any more chances than they have to, that I think is when we need to start getting a little bit worried. You can't, man. They're just too talented. Like that trade for TJ Hawkinson was a brilliant move by the Vikings because TJ Hawkinson fits them really well and gives them that kind of threat that they need opposite of Justin Jefferson. Cause I don't know how, how, um, I guess I don't want to say good cause that, that word, you know, that's a little disrespectful, but I don't know how effective Adam Thielen is at this point of his career. I still think he's a really good route runner and I think he's crafty and I think he's a really tough player, but I don't think he's the Adam Thielen from like three years ago. Right. So you needed somebody else to be able to win those one-on-one matchups consistently. Unfortunately, the giants found that out on Christmas Eve against TJ Hawkinson, who had the best game of his career against the New York Giants. So the Giants have to have that answer as well, as we talked about on the first half of this show. But Chris, do you have anything else on this Vikings defense and how the Giants offense can really just take advantage of them? Yeah, I expect the Giants to come out throwing. But if the Vikings have attempted to adjust to that, yeah, this is where we start getting to this, like, I know you know, and you know that I know that you know, and, and just going on and on and on. Yeah, where you start uh, making adjustments to adjustments you think the other team is making, but we might even see the Giants bust out their run-heavy offense that we that they had earlier in the season. Maybe they'll use Matt Breida in the pony package. Maybe they'll use more read option in this game to take advantage if the Vikings are paying particular attention and attempting to disrupt the Giants' quick passing attack. Because what one of the things we do need to remember is the first time around, the Giants had only basically just started using this kind of uh, spread coast quick game that they stumbled into against the Washington Commanders in overtime. They'd only had, what, two games like this prior, so there wasn't a whole lot of tape on it. Yeah, you know, now the the Vikings have the game against them. They've got two more games against the Colts and the Eagles with this style of offense. So that's more tape for Ed Donatel to look at and examine and see what the Giants' tendencies are in this style of offense. So we'll have to see if Mike Kafka changes things up again. And that could involve more running the football, right? Could involve more running the football. I think that we're going to see an 11 personnel approach with a lot of quick passing game at work last time. And I think in order for the Giants to stray away from that, it has to really just be stifled. But I think that's going to be the philosophy. And I hope that's how this offense evolves because I think Daniel Jones is doing a really good job operating within the confines of that offense and using Saquon Barkley out of the back. I felt like whenever the Vikings were in cover one, which was quite often in this game, Saquon Barkley got matched up against a linebacker. Daniel Jones diagnosed it pre to post snap. It was still there. Boom. He just got the football to Saquon Barkley. And it didn't really break for huge plays, 
But the guy ended up having like, what, 10 targets, I think eight catches on those targets for like 40 something yards, might have been like 49 yards with one little bit longer catch. So I still think that's going to be a part of the game plan. And I also just think those one on one matchups to the outside, guys like Isaiah Hodgins and Darius Slayton have been doing, I would say, adequately too well in those situations. And Daniel Jones is trusting them, especially whenever they employ those double moves. That's something that Patrick Peterson bid on several times. Yeah, exactly. Like, there there are so many layers to this game, which is kind of why I went in by saying I, I really feel like this game is a coin flip. I am not sure just because of the adjustments that all five, all six coaches, the Giants head coach and offensive and de- defensive coaching staffs, same for the Vikings, they're all going to self-scout, scout the other team, make adjustments. And this game very well could come down to which team makes the smarter adjustments based on last game and which team executes better. And that's what we uh, hope the New York Giants can achieve, right? Just better execution. It's something Brian Dable has been preaching for quite a while. And let's hope they can put that out there in the biggest stage of the season, the biggest stage of the last half decade. Chris, I'm pumped. I'm excited. Let's go Giants. We'll see how this uh, game materializes. But Chris, you have anything else on this matchup before we get out of here? Nope. Uh, talk to you again Sunday evening. <laughs> yeah, I'll talk to you again Sunday evening, man. Best of luck to the New York Giants. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. Please rate, subscribe, like, do whatever you want with this podcast. Do whatever that can help us. That'd be great. iTunes, Spotify, wherever you digest this podcast. And also, head on over to BigBlueView.com. That's where all of our written content about this playoff game, the Giants, the draft, really everything about the New York Giants is located there. That is BigBlueView.com. Check it out over there. And let's go, Giants. Big week. Take care of each other, everyone, and have a lovely one. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise Flagship Fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise Flagship Fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com VIYA.